Hello, I'm Mark Deluzio. Over the past century, our constitutional republic, grounded in the rule of law, has been transformed into a tyrannical democracy, orchestrated by unelected bureaucrats and globalists. The Constitution is now treated as a suggestion, not the law of the land. Welcome to The Constitution Solution, one podcast under God. Hi, I'm Mark's co-host, Suzette Lawrence. Our intention is to explore the Constitution and discuss how our freedoms and constitutional rights are violated by those very politicians who took an oath on the Bible to uphold it. Learn how the Constitution is the solution to our country's problems. What do we need to do to restore our inalienable and enumerated rights? Class begins now. Hi, Mark Deluzio here with Suzette Lawrence. How are you doing, Suzette, today? I'm doing great, Mark. I'm excited to talk about the flag burning issue. This yeah, is... well, it's an emotional thing, isn't it? I mean, uh, we're going to talk about flag burning. We're going to talk about the ruling that was made back in 1990, um, uh, a 5-4 decision uh, in terms of saying that, hey, flag burning is... Uh, banning flag burning would be against your First Amendment rights, and there's a lot of emotion around this. Uh, and we're talking about the U.S. flag, right? Uh, and we know that there's a lot of uh, protocol around flags, right, in terms of how you handle them, lighting them at night. There's all kinds of things that we have uh, developed over the course of time in terms of what flags are all about. They drape our caskets of our veterans, uh, our police, our fire. Uh, they have a lot of meaning and a lot of emotion. And you did a little research, Suzette, on flags, too. Maybe a brief uh, overview about how did we get this flag and how did it come to be the way it is today? Well, I, I thanks, thanks for asking about the, the history of the flag. Um, so right around the Boston Tea Party, the Sons of Liberty were in Boston and they were protesting the Stamp Act. The Stamp Act was an act um, of the first tax that Britain had imposed on the colonists. And it was on printed materials, things like documents, papers, pamphlets, yeah. cards, etc. So the Sons of Liberty um, were very angry about this and were protesting it. And the call came to Colonel Washington, who was in Philadelphia, and they asked him to lead the militia in Boston to bought in boss at Boston Heights to fight the British. And we had not declared independence at this point. We did not have a flag. So he took two flags with him. And one of the flags was what they called the Continental. And the Continental had 13 red and white stripes, which was the Sons of Liberty. That was their flag. It was just 13 um, horizontal red and white stripes for each okay. Um, colony. And in the corner of that flag was the Union Jack. And essentially, mm -hmm. Colonel Washington said, this will not do. Because here's the thing, you're going into battle. The purpose for carrying the flag is to identify yourself. And this was like, we're not fighting for the king. You know, we're like fighting against him, even though red, white and blue were considered the king's colors. So that's how the flag began. There were many iterations since then. What we now have is our official flag that I believe President Taft 
you know, confirmed this is our flag. And every time we add a state, we'll add a star, you know, a five pointed star. So that's how we we got our flag. And um, there were many flags in between. So if you ever see one, <laughs> um, get it. <laughs> hey, by the way, I have, I have a friend uh, that I met on the campaign trail. His father has uh, arguably the biggest memorabilia collection, political collection in the world. And he has over 12 million artifacts. One of his prized possessions is he has the flag of the George Washington inaugural uh, when he gave his speech, when he got inaugurated. He has that flag. Can you imagine yeah. that? That's they probably amazing. just left it there, like the baseball at Fenway Park that went through Bill Buckner, Buckner's leg, a famous baseball in the World Series. And it just stood out in right field. Nobody went to pick it up. <laughs> yeah, they probably just left a flag up there. And somebody came along and said, hey, I'm going to take the flag, right? <laughs> no big deal, right? <laughs> that uh, is so wild. I, I can't imagine what that's worth. But, well, thanks for that, Suzette. Uh, you know, excuse me, there's a lot of emotion around the flag, uh, oh. of course, right? And, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about, Susan, Suzette, help me out. It, it, it was 1990, correct, that uh, we had a 5-4 decision on the uh, flag burning, Texas versus Johnson? I believe it was 1990, With yes. the background, yeah. And... And uh, Judge Scalia, Anton Scalia, God rest his soul, to me, probably one of the best jurists we ever had on the court, um, ruled in favor of allowing flag burning for your First Amendment rights. And he had a quote, you and I were talking about this earlier, Suzette. Um, he said that... Uh, if it were up to me, I would put in jail every scandal-wearing, scruffy-bearded weirdo who burns the American flag. He said that in November 2015 in Philadelphia, and he said, but I'm not king. Well, and this is this is what it came down to, that what the Supreme Court argued at this point, at that point, it was, I guess, um, Johnson versus Texas was the case. And right. Mr. Johnson had burned a flag outside of the Republican convention and he was arrested. He went to jail. He was fined $2,000. He had a year in jail, yep. I think. And the case, he appealed the case and, and the Supreme Court heard it. And what they said was that burning the flag was an expression of his speech, his first amendment right. It was symbolic right. of speech. And they felt like they couldn't ban it or censor burning the flag because flags in reverence were burned or buried when they were worn out. And this was now became a point of view. Oh, you can burn the flag because of this, but you can't because of that. If there had been a different way to dispose of flags, <laughs> then this may have been, there wouldn't have been an exception. But they said they couldn't make an exception because we were already burning flags, but we were burning them in reverence to retire them. Not you know, I, I, yeah, and I don't know if flying. people know that if they want to get rid of a flag, a lot of your American legions and your VFWs periodically will have a flag burning uh, weekend, let's say, where you could bring your flag, old flags down that are torn and what have you uh, to be properly disposed of, right? 
Although I do think, though, that Scalia, I, I don't think that the, I don't think the vote would have been any different if we let's let's just say, for example, we allowed flag disposal in another fashion, not burning. Let's say, and it doesn't matter what the other method was; it was not burning. I think they still would have ruled the same way because, and I would agree with that, by the way, because um, it still is an expression of of you you know, and I guess. I guess you think about this and you say to yourself, well, how distasteful this is, though. Uh, you know, the easy thing to say would be it should be illegal, right? And you look what Scalia said. I throw all these guys in jail, he said. And But he had the, he had the, the belief and the understanding of the Constitution to say, hey, look, if I allow this one to go through, what else that are you going to consider distasteful? That is your right to say, but somebody doesn't like what you say. Now you're starting to legislate speech. Exactly, Mark. It was, brilliant. It was absolutely the, brilliant. The The point of speech is to broaden the marketplace of ideas. If we can't talk to right. each other about issues diplomatically, I'm not, you know, <laughs> in debate, if we can't talk to each other, how are we going to solve problems? How are we going to find the truth? if we can't talk to each other. And yeah. I think that's what Justice Scalia, where he was going with this is you have to allow speech, you have to allow the exchange of ideas. This is um, part and parcel to who we are as a nation. And I, I you know, that's kind of where an important component of our first amendment right. It, it, the opposite of that would have been censorship. And censorship right. is a tool of tyrants. I'm sorry, it's weak people fearful of the truth. Because we... censorship doesn't happen in our country. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> it's a, you know, it doesn't have to happen. It doesn't happen at my house, um, and it doesn't happen in my conversations. You know, I I um, I love being around free free people that don't feel the need to censor themselves. There's nothing sadder than watching somebody scrambling for words because they're afraid they'll offend you. I was just having coffee with my neighbors and, and, and my neighbor started to say something and he stopped and I said, use your words, don't be afraid. You can't offend me, you know? And he did. And it was really, really kind of that moment of, you know, this is how we learn from each other. This is how we discover truth. I don't, I, I really do believe that. Well, you know, we have, we have defamation and slander laws too. Okay. So, so there are, if your, your speech does cause somebody harm. Yeah. There's laws against that. Um, you know, I was telling you offline before we started, Suzette, how my son, Steve, before he got killed, went to a funeral of, I believe the soldier he was going to replace and uh, one of the protesters at this this uh, this uh, soldier's funeral held up a sign that said, "A good soldier is a dead soldier." Okay, I mean you can't get too much more distasteful than that. But you know, as distasteful as that is, they had a right to hold that sign up, right? Um, and. Uh, like Scalia said, if I was king, I'd throw him in jail. But uh, you know, but that's you know that's that's our that's a our and, country. You cannot do things like that in almost any other country in this in this world. 
And the beauty of that story is the response to their speech were these these um, patriotic guard writers. Patriot guard writers, yes. Pa Patriot yes. guard writers who also came to this soldier's funeral and created a barricade with their bikes. Yes, they did. Between these protesters and the families of the people that were coming to that funeral. So they also were able to express their yep. symbolic. By the speech. way, they, they revved up their Harley so that you couldn't hear their their shouts. Dancing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and uh well, you know, and again, I'll just finish the story out because I told you uh when Steve Steve called me and said, God, Dad, you, you don't believe these Patriot Guard writers are great people and what they did and all this, right? So when Stephen got killed, you know, I asked our crisis assistance officer, I said, Hey, you know, uh uh do you think we can get the Patriot Guard writers to uh, show up at his funeral? And my crisis assistance officer from the Army, he said, Mark, they already told us they're going to be there. <laughs> and, uh, and there were 93 of them, by the way. Six of them, I think, were in wheelchairs. A lot of these guys are Vietnam vets. Wow. Uh, six in wheelchairs, and they rest on Harleys. And they formed a big line in his thousands of people as, at his funeral. But these guys formed this, this unbelievable uh you know, uh, a little plug for the Patriot Guard writers because they're phenomenal, a phenomenal group of uh, individuals. Um, you know, it, one of the things that happened uh, in, so again, the, the whole thing, Suzette, you and I were speaking about, be careful what you ask for, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's so easy to say, hey, look, I, yeah, I want to ban black burning. We should make that illegal. But you go down now and look at the different things that, w that have happened relative to our constitution and where emotions and come on, as you said, flag, there's a lot of emotion around the flag. Okay. Oh, People yes. die for it. And again, we put it on caskets of firemen and police and, and veterans and all that presidents. Um, so a lot of emotion around the flag, but let's look at where emotion got us when we said, well, geez, you know, constitution doesn't matter. Uh, when and as much as I love President Trump, President Trump did not have the right to raise tariffs against China. Okay, that is an enumerated right in the of Congress, one of the seventeen enumerated rights in Article One, Section Eight. The president can't just arbitrarily say we're going to raise tariffs on China. Okay, that's Congress's job. Um, when FDR interned one hundred twenty thousand Japanese citizens in World War Two, I'm sorry. American citizens that were Japanese in World War II. Nobody really pushed back on that because the emotion against the Japanese at that time was unbelievably negative, right? Uh, so it happened, okay? And the Go Germans. And, and the, the Germans. Germans. They, they, there was no picnic uh, regarding Germans either. They were sent to camps. You know. When you've got these emotions going, uh, how about this one? Uh, going way back when, to the to the you know to the founders, the Alien Sedition Act, where one of the provisions of that act was to make it illegal to criticize the government. John Adams was all for that. Okay, the Federalist Party was all for banning any negative uh, writings or speech against the federal government. Okay. Well, that got eliminated by Congress in the next session, and John, and Thomas Jefferson was one that really led that charge and said, no, this is wrong, okay? Um, 
you, you, we got to allow people to criticize the government. So even though we have these rights that are, uh, you know, spelled out in our Constitution, uh, or, or I should say, we ha- the Constitution really is a restraint on the government to infringe our rights, it still happens. Okay, it still happens. Now, I want to go back to Canada, where uh, Dr. Jordan B. Peterson, if you follow him at all, he came, his claim to fame was when he pushed back against Canadian government. When the Canadian government, and, and he said this is kind of the first time he, he, he ever saw this happen, made it illegal with a jail term if you did not call somebody their proper preferred pronoun. Okay? So uh, they put that into law. Now, according to him, this really wasn't about speech. This was about control. And this was about the Canadian government just moving forward with further measures after this one to be able to control you, okay? And I think he was right. So this is the slippery slope that happens with these infringements where we allow one, hey, I I think flag burning should be legal, uh, illegal. Okay, well, what happens when something else gets banned that you don't believe in, okay? Uh, It's a slippery slope. It is. And I think you bring the excellent point that the Constitution is a restraint on the government against people. And it's general for a reason, because they didn't want to have to list everything the government couldn't do. Right. There, you know, there's that that's why it's general in in scope. Mm-hmm. Um, for that very reason. And I think the um, speech issue, um, in the same way that a man can burn a flag, you can also have, you can you can rise up as a defender of speech and use your words wisely, get smarter, get better at using your words to defend um yourself or to respect his right to do it even though you may not respect him or you know it's you're respecting the right that the court has has said it was a tight decision you know it was a 5-4 decision so it was very tight but that fifth vote counted you know and that that's how it is and because of that groups like the patriot guard writers can come to the rescue at a, you know, they go to these funerals for a reason. They go, you know, to show their respect, but also to protect families. They're there. They're, they're there for, they know why they're there. And I think that's really, I think that's beautiful because that's a really high frequency response to a low frequency assault to actually stand at someone's funeral and, say ugly things in protest, as opposed to going to the people who start the wars. You know, if you want to protest a war, go to Washington or go to Raytheon or go to the UN. But well, you, know, you make a really good point because, you know, when you really look at, uh, at uh, another infringement on our constitution is that all of these attacks on, you know, what we're doing today with Iran and with, I'm sorry, with Iraq and with Syria and with Yemen and, and, and all these attacks, we got these pundits on TV saying, well, it's not really a war. Well, when is it a war? You look at Webster's 1828 Dictionary, it's a war. 
Okay. And, and ask by the definition, who, ask the people who you're bombing who haven't had water in three months, whether it's war or not. Yeah. You like know, I said in the previous episode, deaths. you shoot at me. It's a war. You're attacking I my mean, country. I know. Okay. These, these guys are nuts. You know, I think, well, these guys are nuts. You know, th these guys are in business. I think they've made that very clear. You know, Jordan, this latest foray where we shot missiles into Syria and right. Iraq, okay? And they said because these someone shot a drone into this Guard Tower 22, which they said was in Jordan, but Jordan did not say that happened. Jordan denied that that happened in Jordan. Isn't well, look, that interesting? You can't so believe anything. The Bay of Tonkin for Vietnam was didn't happen either, but Johnson yeah. lied to us in Congress. You know, here's the other thing. You know, we we went after because we're uh, we're using the excuse we're avenging our three soldiers that got killed there. Uh, uh, but but what about the thirteen that got killed in Afghanistan? Why didn't we go after the Taliban then? Okay, uh, you know it's all it's all BS, and it's and, and it goes back to uh, let's see episode uh, nine. Suzette, we did way back when with Christy on the military industrial complex. That's something mm -hmm. I'd ask you guys to go look, listen to. Uh, all these things tie together, by the way. You know, it's interesting. We did one on enumerated powers, which was episode five. And, and Suzette, you mentioned earlier the Stamp Act. That was episode 10 that we covered that uh, in an earlier episode. So all these things we're covering, and you're going to start seeing that all of these different issues whether it's the enumerated powers or nullification, if we're republic versus democracy, the fourth branch of government, all these are Venn diagrams that touch each other. They all relate to each other, right? The Communist yeah. Manifesto, okay? And it's all about fighting to keep our, our sovereignty, to keep the government, you know, the, the bigger the government, the the the... the the more infringe our, our rights. Okay, there's an inverse relationship there, right? Yes, you know, Ron Paul, um, many of you, of course, if you're a constitutionalist, you love Dr. Paul. And when, when he was running, he said, the way you get rid of all these alphabet agencies is you just put a hiring freeze on. You don't fund them, yeah. And as people, you know, you stop funding them, you stop hiring, you don't have to get rid of any of them right away. You just stop funding uh, the hiring and then you move, start moving people around. As people retire out of this department, you move somebody from that department into this department because these people are not committed to a mission. They have really great government jobs in Washington are sought after. Best insurance, best hours, best money, Right. Um, you know, these are really good jobs. So you just like through attrition, you would you would one by one be able to knock out these agencies without the people protesting. Now, your donors would go crazy. Of course, the hmm. teachers union would would have cow, but um, he wouldn't have cared about them. If know? I was president, I'd be a lot more aggressive than that. I wouldn't let attrition take its course because in four years, you're going to get some other crack job pre president that's going to do the opposite. But um, but let me let me let me let me go through. We talked about one of these, Suzette, earlier in a previous episode uh, back with um, with Christy. And, and, and we we talked about smoking. OK, again, this all goes back towards the notion of be careful what you ask for. 
Okay, if you let your emotions trump the Constitution, sooner or later, that's going to come around and bite you, okay? And I use smoking as a great example. As as you know, I hate smoking. I never tried it. My parents smoked when I was a kid. And my sister and I, my twin sister, would be in the back seat of the car in the winter with the heater on and the windows rolled up and we gagging and our smoke, it's, it smelled and I just hated smoking. So I never even as a teenager, you know, tried it, okay? I had a lot of friends that wanted to smoke or did smoke. I never even tried it. I was so distasteful. But And, and I wouldn't go into a place that had a lot of smoke, right? But it, as much as I hate smoking, I reject the government telling a bar owner or a restaurant owner that you can't allow smoking in your establishment. Let the free market dictate if you have a restaurant or a bar that has a bunch of smoke in it, guess what? Mark Delizio doesn't go. Okay. Now maybe he's going to fill that bar up with all kinds of people who want to smoke. And he's going to make a lot of money. Fine. I know it's unhealthy. I know it kills people, but so does alcohol. So does driving your car. We lose 40,000 people a year in that regard. 12 million uh, injuries a year. So so where do you draw the line as to what the government's going to allow especially when it's an illegal it's an it's a legal substance okay as is alcohol as is driving your car okay uh when are you going to draw the line where you say well that's okay to ban but that's not okay to ban. What's going to happen when, if your BMI is over 30 and you go to the grocery store and you have a card and it says, oh, no, those Pringles you can't buy. That half gallon of ice cream, no, you're not allowed to buy that because you're over 30 and you're harming our society and you're costing insurance companies money. And, you know, uh, be careful what you ask for. You know, so going back to flag burning, be very careful. Yeah. Yeah. What I would add to that is that we talk about our rights, our constitutional rights. Right. But with that are constitutional responsibilities. That's and right. We're, we're asked to be thinking people responsible to protect ourselves, protect our health, protect our families. This is, I think, part and parcel to being American. You know, we don't have Big Daddy taking care of us. Nobody's coming to rescue us. We have to rescue ourselves. That's why we're here, you know, um, addressing these issues and talking about them. And I think smoking is one of those. You know, whether you even want to eat in a restaurant, you know, every wellness program that you begin, if you have an honest person in front of the room, an honest professional wellness oriented person, the first thing they'll tell you is the best habit you can develop is no more restaurant food. It's the first thing they tell you. And this is very, except, except, wait a minute, except Big Macs, right? You would, you wouldn't take those from me. Yeah, would you? you you and president Trump. I heard they're, I think I heard they're good for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, read it, I, read it, I read it. I read it on the internet. It has to be true. Oh, did you? Did you get it at Wikipedia? <laughs> Wikipedia, the new brain trust for wellness. <laughs> Wait a minute. It was posted by some guy named Abraham Lincoln. Okay. It, I, I swear to God, it's on the internet. It's got to be true. <laughs> but no, no, but it's a good point. It's a good point. Yeah, but that's your choice, right? And, and It is. It is. See, and this right. is what it comes down to, you know. It <laughs> is our individual choice, and we do have that option. 
So we can decide yeah. where do I want to eat? What am I going to eat? What am I going to smoke? What am I not going to smoke? Am I going right. to drink? Am right. I not, you know, am right. I going to drink alcohol, whatever. Well, look, hey, Suzette, you know, you and I talked a lot offline about COVID, right, and what happened there. And uh, we had a couple episodes with Christy on, on COVID. We probably should have more to get your medical perspective on it in the future because you have a, a view that is different than, I think, your average uh, uh, person. But, you know, Ben Franklin said, you know, so when everybody was saying, hey, you know, you got to stay indoors and you got to wear a mask and you got to get vaccinated. And nobody thought about individual freedoms or choices at the time because the motion was so high. Quite frankly, the press and the government together scared the bejesus out of people. OK, oh, they're very had, good at propaganda. I, very oh, good. This yeah, was a propaganda a, campaign to beat. Oh, the yeah. game. And by I, the way, I, just I, to let you know, Pfizer is the fourth largest defense contractor. OK, out of. Top 10. The, the four, See, well, the four. I do want to talk about this at some point because it, there are some very interesting um, manipulations that were done during that entire period that were very well orchestrated, very well planned. Well, let's do it. Well, we, should, we should put that on the docket, okay? Because I think people have to start challenging all of these things and not let emotions trump your freedoms. And, and you know, and I'll go back to our friend Ben Franklin. Uh, he said, anybody, and I'll paraphrase, who is willing to give up a little bit of safety for a little bit of freedom deserves neither. And that's and exactly what happened during COVID. Them. Yeah. There's nothing that you could do that's worse for a person during an epidemic than to lock them in their house. My God, no. No, especially if you have PTS and 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 that is the worst thing. Little the data kids. has not, hey, look, the data has not come out yet in terms of the impacts that these uh, draconian measures have had on our society. By the way, just one, you know, I think I mentioned this on the previous podcast. I have a good friend who up in New Hampshire who's on the board for a hospital. And one of the doctors on that board said, you know what? During COVID, we're not getting any child abuse cases anymore. You want to know why? They shut the schools down, and that's where most of the child abuse cases get detected, where Johnny shows up with a black eye, okay, uh, or a broken arm or, you know, whatever, and in that, you know, I'm telling you right now, the aftermath and the unattended consequences, or maybe they were intended, is going to be, it's going to come out someday. It's going to come we're out. Gonna talk, we, we, a lot of this information is out there and we will talk about yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. We'll talk good. about it soon, actually, so, because yeah. it's, so, a big, it's a big topic. You know, we can go on and on, Suzette, with examples, you know, the fact that the Patriot Act got got passed during this whole 9-11 thing. Seems like whenever emotions are high, that's where government slips in the cracks and it goes undetected, you know? So so we could probably sit here with a lot more examples, but we wanted to talk about flag burning, not maybe, yeah, okay, we wanted to talk about flag burning from the respect that, um, you know, why was it the, why, why do we feel it was the right call by Scalia and the others that voted against, uh, you know, for our First Amendment rights. But more importantly, though, why the nature of that call was important. As much as Scalia detested flag burners, he still voted the way he did because he believed, in, he, he probably was the purest originalist I've ever, we've ever saw on the, on, the, on the Supreme Court. And he really did make the right call, in my opinion. Um, there may be people out there listening to this that disagree with us. But 
you got to check your emotions at the door and say, well, be careful what you ask for. Maybe that's what we should have titled this episode. Be careful what you ask for, you know? Final yeah, thoughts you for you, Suzette? Um, I, I agree. You know, I would say, yeah, I agree. I think that he um, did not want to suppress freedom of expression. And he felt like this man, Mr. Johnson, was expressing himself and there was no good reason to suppress it, that it, when you suppress speech, things just tend to get worse. They tend to go underground. And now you really don't know what you're dealing with. You know, I mean, this is what happens in a, what happens in a lot of countries. Look at Gaza. That's literally those tunnels. You know, when we think of tunnels, I don't have you ever seen any of those tunnels? Yeah. You could drive a a Mack truck through these things. Mm-hmm. These aren't like, like when I thought heard tunnels, I thought, oh, these poor people digging out these dirt tunnels and there's, you know, I had no idea what, that they were actually like 40 feet by 40 feet, you know, huge and, and endless. So you drive people underground when you don't give them a voice and that is not good. There is no good outcome to that. You know, so I, I do think that everyone deserves a voice, even if I don't want to. And you got to remember, again, just going back to how our country was found. You know, you, you mentioned the Stamp Act, right? And that was sort of the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back. And, uh, and, and, and it took 10 years from that point for us to have the revolution. But I think that was 1765. But anyway, um once we start chipping away at things like this, we're going to start getting to that point where that straw is going to be placed on our backs and is going to be, uh, uh, well, let's just put it this way. It's not going to be a good time. And I think we're getting to that point pretty soon. So, so keep the Constitution in mind, even if you favor somebody's move, like, hey, I think Trump really should have put tariffs on China. Good for them, right? We really got him, right? That wasn't his call, okay? And we can't allow our leaders, we have to hold them in check and not allow our leaders to abridge the Constitution, okay? I don't care who they are or what the call is, we got to push back on this stuff and let's do it the right way. Go through Congress and let the people decide, right? So anyway, uh, that's the message, I think, on the flag-burning flag uh, decision back in, again, 1990, I believe. Um, so there we have it. Thank you, Mark. That This was a great, I think this was a really good topic to discuss in terms of free speech because we are surrounded by so much censorship these days, politi- yep. politically correct speech, et cetera. Um, so I think this, is, this has been really good. And speaking of censorship, I got, you know, I got linked out. I was on LinkedIn with thousands and thousands of followers around the the world, and I got linked out for two things I said that turned out to be exactly true. So anyway, so much for misinformation. But uh, okay, Suzette Lawrence, thank you very much. That was excellent. We will catch you next time. Suzette, do we have a episode set up for for next time? I think we do. Uh, Let me see here what we have here. This was episode seventeen. And I think 18 we had listed as constitutional clauses, I believe. We're going to talk about the different clauses 
and we'll tee one up too. I think I want to get one in there on uh, your your perspective on the whole COVID thing and how that uh, really violated our, our our constitutional rights. We Christy already did something on that, uh, but I think there's so much more to talk about, right? And I think we need oh. to throw these current issues out there for people to really get to see the tie-in to how the infringements on the Constitution affect them and their daily lives. I totally agree. It's gonna that'll be very exciting because I think it's going to be eye-opening for a lot of people. So we'll leave it there. Well, get to work, darn it. Okay. <laughs> I have what are you doing just standing there talking to me? <laughs> <laughs> awesome, Suzette. Thank you. Suzette Lawrence from Sedona, Arizona. Mark DeLuzio from Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, but we're here for America. So God bless you, Suzette. God bless America. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to The Constitution Solution, one podcast under God where we hold that strict adherence to the Constitution is the solution to most of our country's problems. You can find other episodes on our website at 1787solution.com, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and most other platforms. We're your hosts, Mark Deluzio and Suzette Lawrence. Until next time, may God bless you and may God bless America.